host Delaney. And it's Katie, and this is Classically Black Podcast. We talk all things classical music and being black in the profession. With trap beats playing in a backyard. What is that? The what? background. The back. I don't, I don't know what I said. The backyard? Yeah, I don't know what I said. I think you know playing in your backyard. Okay, so anyway, you know what happened? Um, I was thinking about how I was back in my yard because Jamaicans say, like, you know, Madame Yard, right? Because I was going to say shout out to the 585 after I said that because I'm back in Rochester. And then one thing led to another and I messed up the intro, but we're not doing it again because I just want to start. So, period, poo. Right. Well, trap beats playing in your backyard, everyone. Okay, so you're trash and now everybody knows. This is what I do with on a daily basis. So, I mean, this episode, you've said this 41 times, 40 times before this. And let me tell you, the we were having technical difficulties, but every time I would start, Katie be like, whoa, 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 I'm not ready, I'm not ready. I'm like, you're not ready to okay. say, hey, it's Katie. <laughs> <laughs> you could have thought on your feet for that one. <laughs> like, it's not about that. You know it's not. You know how this program works. You suck. Like, you do. <laughs> Honestly, it's about time I start holding auditions for a replacement because. That audition. I think. I, <laughs> I told you. Can you imagine? Now say, hey, it's Katie. <laughs> Go now ahead. You imagine? What would that even look like? And who who the hell is auditioning? <laughs> like, for what? Auditioning. <laughs> They scripts memorized. It's splitting up, and now I have a podcast called Blastically Black. <laughs> and we do, but we only record our, um, we only record our uh, segments. So oh, that would be boring as hell. Nobody will listen to mine. Yeah, they would. People like news and junk. Okay, not that face. It's a <laughs> better than your torturous intermissions. They're not torturous, Delaney. Like, I feel like they're a lot of fun. Like, once you get into them, like. And also, animation this week is, like, not bad. You know, I'll be balancing it out. You know what I'm saying? Really? Torturous? What's the freaking news? Like, I, I what, what's the news? What happened? All right. Terrible news this week, once again. Well, it's America, um, so. Yeah, so. Um... <laughs> Famed opera singer David Daniels and his husband William Walters have been indicted in Texas on charges that they took turns raping a fellow musician. Okay, um, so thank yeah. you so much for listening to Classic Black Podcast. No, it gets so much worse. Um, <laughs> How? What the heck? I don't um, want. I don't want to do this. I'm actually done. I'm I actually have to go practice. Well, Get with like in three days. Um, so I'm gonna talk to you later. I don't want to okay. do this. Well, how how you just um, come up the? We well, should give a um. I'll put that in the description. What's it called? Uh, what's it called? Disclaimer? Not a disclaimer. What's it called? Yeah. Oh, uh, content warning. Yeah. Okay. I gave one. I gave one on something that we did that was graphic on the the violent teacher with the so- shoulder rest. Um, I didn't do one on the last episode. Um, and I was gonna I was gonna get to some of the some of the stuff that will require a content warning a little bit later. Um, There's more things that require more. No, I was going to talk about, because I'm not going to say them. Um, but anyway, if convicted, they would each face up to 20 years in prison. 
um oh by the way they were indicted on charges of on one count of felony sexual assault of an adult each um the the alleged victim baritone singer samuel schultz first came forward in august of 2018 um and he said that daniels and walters um i guess i guess this would require a content warning i'm about to say something um they drugged and raped him after after he agreed to visit their apartment following a houston grand opera performance in may of 2010 so before i get into the details of the case i just want to say that there is an article that sort of that has like his like some excerpts from his statement as to what actually happened in detail they're too graphic for me to feel comfortable repeating so i'm not going to say them however it will be the first i will link three articles on this the first one is the one that has like the most details from the victim um but it like when i was reading it like my stomach was turning so like i'm not gonna repeat any of it what the um, okay like it Oh my god, like my skin is crawling just thinking about it. Anyway, like what that got to do with Puccini? Y'all are just I, okay. I'm sorry. Right. This so a quote, a, a quote from the opera singer. He said, um, "I appreciate you reaching out to me and talking to the newspaper." He said, "Other than I deny these allegations, I have nothing to say. They're completely false." Completely. Then, but then his lawyer, his lawyer said, "Sam Schultz, the um, the victim." He said, "Sam Schultz's allegations are false. He is not a victim." He drove himself to David and Scott's apartment at 3.20 a.m. to meet them after a night of partying. Him driving himself there at 3.20 a.m. has literally, like, nothing to do with what happened. At all. Why would you say, first of all, you you just hurt your case. Like, honestly. And you're a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I would expect that from, like, the client because, like, you, you're just dumb. But uh, the lawyer? Are you kidding? You know what? Maybe he went into one of them like maybe he went into one of them like websites where you get your your law degree, like your JD, like at the end of the day, if you like fill out a series of questions. <laughs> maybe they got maybe that's what it is. That makes sense because that sounds like something a toddler will say. Because well, well, you the one who went over there, so right, you're not a victim because you drove yourself over there. What? That doesn't make okay. Keep going because I'm annoyed. That okay. Because okay. especially that is a terrible terrible uh but accurate example of victim blaming where you were like well it was three o'clock yeah. in the morning and y'all have been partying and you drove there so like you know what was gonna happen first of all no he didn't no he didn't like first, you of, been... first of all a night of partying they're at an opera exactly okay so the opera gets out <laughs> the opera gets out at what freaking 10 30 then you gotta take all your makeup off and and no whatever you have to do after so now it's 11 30 and you go to a party okay so like now at 3 30 i might go have some drinks or whatever but right now you're doing like one more thing before you go home like that that wouldn't be out of the ordinary to me like you go get you go get drinks or whatever you go hang out with people you get food and then you make one more stop like i don't understand like how was he supposed to know you're going to right child anyway and you're going to the apartment of a married couple. You're not expecting them to slip something in your drink. Right. Freaking. Okay. Um, shortly after Schultz spoke to uh, the New York Daily News, more allegations against Daniels began to resurface because that's how that goes um, almost all the time. Um, just days later, police in Pittsfield Township, Michigan, said that they were investigating a report 
that Daniels improperly solicited a sex act from someone on Grindr in February 2017. Um, and then in October, a man named Andrew Lippian stepped forward and filed a lawsuit against both Daniels and the University of Michigan, where he teaches, claiming that Daniels drugged him with an Ambien and assaulted him in March 2017. Um, The University of Michigan, where he works, has confirmed the initiation of his firing process uh, because he is tenured. That is going to take, you know, a little bit more than just by. Yeah. Um, Not not just by. Okay. But... However, he hasn't even taught there in almost a year because he was placed on paid leave. Oh, did we talk about this before? I don't think so. This sounds familiar. Like, not like, of course, not them getting, like, indicted, but, like, wasn't somebody placed on leave for doing, I don't know, maybe I'm making it up. Someone will let us know. I don't think, I don't remember talking about this. Also, we didn't have a, we didn't have a podcast in 2018. Oh, wait. What was the date in 2018? August. We didn't oh, know. maybe I was talking about it with somebody else. All right, yeah. never mind. You know, it's plenty of these, so. Um, <laughs> um, he hasn't taught there in about a year because he was placed on paid leave when the initial story bro- broke in August 2018. But even before that, in March 2018, the university received reports of two separate incidents involving him soliciting sex acts from students in exchange for money on Grinder. So prostitution. Right. That's um. Cool. <laughs> but school. that okay that's cool. not even the part so much that i take that i take issue with is that it's students yeah like like solicitation is illegal i have my own opinions on that um but the fact that you're soliciting uh sexual acts from students that's a gross uh misuse of power you're yeah. a tenured professor that's like <laughs> um and there are but people this, who will do it with you for free who aren't students. Um, despite uh, despite the fact that this happened in March, two months later, um, they the faculty voted unanimously to grant him tenure. <sighs> okay. Yep, so that was in May. Then in July... An anonymous letter was sent calling him and his husband serial rapists, which led to a new investigation during which the victims from the Grinder case provided screenshots of his messages um, where he offered to pay them $300 for sex with a student for a, quote, hot dad son fantasy. And even though the, he was, even though they were provided those screenshots, it took them eight months for the school to come to a conclusion that he had sexually harassed the student. Eight months, because it probably months. pushes to the back of some some file because somebody lying and da 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 da, da and being dramatic. Screenshots don't lie. Screenshots that is true. do Listen, not lie. Y'all save y'all receipts. Y'all got my backup files. Listen, I love me a good receipt. I ain't gonna hold you. So, him and his husband have been indicted um, for these terrible crimes. So, I guess we will see. They're all about them underneath the jail. What on God's green earth? I mean, first of all, well, first of all, you're they put him on paid leave 
so he's getting his $190,000 salary for doing nothing. For doing nothing. For actually doing worse than nothing. For actually probably raping other people like, while he's on leave. And uh, Chile. Chile. And, you know, it took this guy. He came forward in 2018 and this happened to him. The initial, uh, the guy who filed the initial report happened to him in 2010 and he said that it, it took him all that time um and after that being like blackballed and all that for coming forward but he was like nah we got to he felt like with the whole with the me too movement and stuff that he had to he had to come forward because it's happening like as we've seen from multiple stories on the show it happens to people in the classical music world and they feel like they can't say anything because what's gonna happen to their career yeah and also like i think we talked about this just last week it's like okay you say something and that person gets um whatever handled or taken care of in the right hopefully in the right way and then it's like nobody else wants to work with you because you know for xyz reason so it's like such a slippery slope mm-hmm. so we'll keep you updated on what else comes of that in other news, good news for once, um, oh, the Virginia, God. right, the Virginia Symphony Orchestra has received an eighty thousand dollar grant from the League of American Orchestras that will Ooh, help them. Shout out to Beverly. <laughs> that will help them become more sensory friendly to patrons. The grant will allow the symphony to present three concerts to quote celebrate neurodiversity in all its forms. So each concert will be open to everyone, but it will, but they will feature accommodations for people on the autism spectrum or with sensory oh, sensitivities. Cool. Um, so they will have flexible seating so that guests can sit where they would like. They'll have a quiet space in the lobby so that the mu- like where you can still hear the music, but it's a little bit like it's not so in your face. Um, for mm-hmm. people that are have sensory um sensitivities, um, tickets will be fully refundable for people who find that they can't continue. Uh, with the concert if you can't stay for the whole thing for um, some reason you can get a refund um, booklets with information on the timing of each show and how long specific portions are so the guests know what to expect will be available beforehand and um, instead of alternating between fast and slow pieces the shows will um, each have a gradual build throughout um, the first sensory friendly concert is scheduled for November second at the Ferguson Center in New um in Newport News, and there will be two more following in the spring. That's so cool. Yeah, that is so cool. Shout out to That's them. Ni- right, it's nice to see somebody looking to diversify, um, in more than like a very predictable way. Yeah, like I would have never thought of doing something like that. Mm-hmm. And I saw my cousin my cousin Jaden, like he's a, he's a twin he has very like he has autism like pretty severe autism and i don't, I don't know if he would like that he might mm-hmm. as long as you can it depends because people have varying um sensory you know needs yeah so it, it'd probably be like way too much um stimuli for him but yeah i don't know I mean, maybe in the choir room, because it's like a room in the lobby where the music is like, you can still see it. Like, kind of like how, you know, when there's overflow seating? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's something like that where the music is really low. So you can still like hear, but it's a environment where you're not supposed to. Because I have, yeah. Catch up, mustard. Okay, so this week, um, <laughs> this week, uh, later on, you'll hear us doing a recap on uh, Yola National. So, y'all heard us mention Jalisha <clears throat> a couple times <laughs> in last week's episode. Every time I was on the every time I get around Jalisha, like, I get like a burst of creative energy because. Honestly, while trifling, she's one of the most creative people I know. And um, she's a violinist and teaches. She has a hair company. Um, like, just a, a true entrepreneur. And it was, it's like, yes, we should focus on our craft. Like, girl, do your five to eight hours a day. Like, practice, take auditions. But, like, what other talents do you have that, like, are kind of hobbies that, like, you that you're really good at that you might not spend as much time as you like to or or can't but other things you're good at so not really music related this week but i want to know delaney like what are what is something that you're good at um that is not related to bass or i mean it could be related to music like i know some people some people sing you know what i'm saying like what what is something that you like to do that's not related to music so she told me this okay I was like, girl, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not even good at music no more. All right. So <laughs> because like I remember I, I used to think about that a lot. Like I spent so much of my time doing music like like throughout high school and middle school. Like that was my well, I had like a couple other. I had like one other extracurricular besides that was not music related at all. But like. What was, was it? Always in orchestra. I was a tutor for School on Wheels, which is a um an organization that Scholar. provides tutoring for homeless children. Um, so me and my mom would like tutor younger kids. Aww. Um, but so cute. But other than that, I feel like I might have been in like a club or two or whatever. But most of the time, like I would be like, dang what would happen if I just woke up and didn't want to do this no more? Like, what other skills do I have? <laughs> I mean, like, um, mine, like, I, like, mine are really, like, I could, the things that, the two that I have, I couldn't do them, but they not, like, I don't know, they not, like, I'm a low-key finger skater. Figure skater, you know what I'm saying? You're not a finger skater. I used to think, when I, when I was younger, I used to think it was finger skating. And I was like, why they call it that? Like, you, like, sometimes I still say it. Well, it's not like I'm like low key like busting like triple axles on the side, you know. It's nothing like that. Oh, you be figure skating? I remember I wanted to. <laughs> you be ice skating? Like I want to be ice skating when I was younger. Like believe it or not, because that's that was when Michelle Kwan was like uh, that yeah. girl, and I was like, I hate ice skating. I'm terrible at it. Yeah, I tried it one time. I was like, absolutely. It's so scary. Not. I'm like, it I'm is just a terrifying. on this little titty, 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 titty,
blade and it's a blade like that's Kitty. dangerous <laughs> also like how the hell are you supposed to get back up after you fall like absolutely i don't like, i tell you like oh I, I had God. all these plans right i was like i was talking to freaking miss O'Gara, right i was after school i was like miss O'Gara, but i'm gonna be an ice skater like i'm gonna ice skate i'm gonna get endorsements like you're gonna see she was like you're delusional and i was wow. like all right yeah she sucked so that i crazy I mean, she meant it like me and Miss Girl were like, how do I describe it? Like, she was my girl, right? So it's like she was she laughed at me, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna show you. So I go down to the ice skating rink. I'm like, all right, bet. So put my ice skating on. I like get on the ice and I came right back. I was like, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm. I don't. If you know me in real life, I don't quit stuff. But like that, I I kid you not. It lasted like a smooth one minute, like. You can't grip on nothing, especially when they go over with the what's it called, the Zamboni. Yeah, Zamboni. Now it's no chance. Now ain't nothing to grip on. No, ain't a little, ain't a little, no little ridge in the ice to like hold on to. No, hilarious. Mm-mm. So that was that literally that was short lived. That's hilarious. Anyway, back to like I, I I can't make it up. Like it was freaking ridiculous. I, like I've never quit something so fast. Oh, that <laughs> and badminton. Badminton is not fun. I tried badminton. Like I went to the little auditions. No, what's it called? The tryouts. And you had to run. I'm like, ain't we hitting a birdie? Like, what we running for? And then I was like, that's not gonna be it either. So Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so I guess I'm good at organizing things. Okay, what's that Japanese lady? She Japanese? Murray Kondo. That's mm-hmm. not what I mean. Is okay. she Japanese? Foldy Woldy. Okay, my laundry laundry is sitting on the floor for days. Everybody got that chair, girl. My laundry stay. When I do laundry, I just pick it up. I just pick it out the pile and I, I I iron it. That's all I do. I just mean, I don't got time. I'm gonna organize in like words and stuff. I guess files, boring things. Huh? That sounds terrible. <laughs> oh, we've had this conversation before, actually. Boring things. I like it. Like I, I love, I love organizing information. It's great. I love the Delaney's calendar, like <laughs> during the semester. And I was like, absolutely not. Like I rather I'm not finna and also <clears throat> like she inspired me like for like a, a slick like five minutes, right? Cause I saw these little boxes and I'm like, why would I take an hour to put all these little boxes in? It don't take so an I'm hour like, okay, though, because you can put in the stuff that repeats. <laughs> I rarely update my calendar because uh. most things are like their routine. So they repeat what I will say about my calendar, though. I'm a little neurotic because I'm not very motivated. So I I schedule everything, even my free time. I used to do that. Like when I was <clears throat> when I wanted to excuse me, when I wanted to get into Eastman, my the, the lady that like helped me get here, like she made me schedule everything because she used to say I wasted a lot of time because I would hang out all the time with Eileen shout out to Eileen so she made me like schedule everything like like even to like when I like calling your mom like I had to schedule like okay I'm gonna call my mom for 10 minutes okay I'm gonna practice for three hours okay I'm gonna eat dinner for 30 minutes I'm like girl I don't know however long the show is like how how am I supposed to know when I'm out and whatever something else could be my suggestion on YouTube and then it's gonna take longer for me to eat dinner like I don't know how long it's gonna take me to eat dinner <laughs> that's like I admire that because, like, scheduling every moment of your day. I've gotten like, I've gotten worse at it. 
Um, I don't really okay. stuff because I now <laughs> have I have to use my work calendar for stuff, and it's on like Microsoft and Outlook because that's the like the thing that my that the company uses. So now it's like my personal calendar. I use Google and stuff. So now it's like I can't be doing all the back and forth, and it's just too mm-hmm. much. So I'm I don't really schedule that much anymore. But yeah, I'm I'm good at that. And like you know, I'll be like, yeah, I made a docket, and can you put it in this folder? And I'm gonna organize the folder. <laughs> I drive Delaney crazy because I'm like, girl, I got episode ideas on a note. I'm like, I can send you the note. <laughs> like that's about as far as it's going. And then and like, then and then you send me the note, but then you edit it, and I'm like, I if you would just put it in the doc, <laughs> and see if you edit it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, I edited it. You didn't see? No, it's only on your phone. <laughs> No, I did not see. And people know I'm like I'm like a lot of people know that I'm like literally like me and my grandma are probably in the same boat when it comes to technology. Like it's it's freaking terrible. Okay, like, but I don't Google know. Docs is you use Google Docs. Okay, but only when you make me like because no, I always I have my you phone. Use it for, I thought you said no, you use Microsoft Word, huh? Yeah, I use Word because. But um, I got better. Like you'd be so proud of me. I organized my um my notes in my phone, so it's not just all on iCloud. It's like I have folders like. Yeah, my notes pro- could could use some yeah. organization, and also I put notes in different places. Like I use Notes, but I also use Keep, which is the Notes app for Google. See, but <laughs> and I also use Tasks. If you look at the first page of my apps on my phone, you will be like, "This sounds so boring." I have books. Pages, files, drive, uh, drive, docs, scan, calendar, tasks, sheets. <laughs> like yep. those are the names, the names of the apps. <laughs> Everything is just like paper. Ugh. It's great. Like the the fact that you're excited about this is like really bringing my energy down. Wow. Well, it's <laughs> like, your intermission. So yes, what I was like I don't like I need to get more organized because it's, it reflects my life but um my life is a surprising chaos even though I am organized alright so um one thing that I like to do that I think I, that I'm like low key good at is like is doing hair like I don't do hair that often and also like you'll be surprised because y'all see me the same dusty puff or the same okay like my hair is like a variation on a theme. Like, all right. it starts off as a twist out. Then I haven't worn a twist out in in ages because who has time? Um, That's true. Actually, I did a okay. I did a soft twist out the other day. Like I went, I was going to get my uh, my license renewed because I'm old now, and okay. um, so I like straight. I stretch my hair with a straightener. Oh my god! I hope my hair comes back. Oh my god! Please pray for me, y'all. And then. Cause I got one of them brush straighteners for um you know two A hair, you know what I'm talking about like the one where you you comb it through and it straightens your hair. Mm-hmm. So I got I bought one of those from Burlington and I stretched my hair and then I twisted it up with a little, little bit of gel so it didn't revert like a little little little, little bit, and then it, it was really cute. It was like fluffy and stretched and then and then my hair just shrunk right back up like freaking disrespectful. I was like, what the heck? Like, ugh! Like I was so angry. Um, so I start off the twist style, then it goes to a dusty puff, then I might do a bun. If you see me with a bun, girl, you just, just know that my hair is on its last legs. Like, some people think, like, <laughs> some people are like, oh, yeah, bun is so cute. I'm like, girl, <laughs> this, no, is, this is me. Ratty ponytail. 
I'm like, this is me where I'm not like my end should not be out. It just shouldn't. That's what this bun is. It's tucked all up underneath. But so you wouldn't know that I like to do hair, but I, I like to do like I was on Delaney before we started. Like I did some feeding braids on my grandma because she's in Jamaica right now. And I just watch YouTube videos like, oh, that's how you feed the hair in. All right. Boom. Bet. And I just did it. And it was like, I just like doing hair. Like I used to, I used to love like what, like, um, shout out to Desiree. This girl, Desiree taught me how to braid in sixth period math class in sixth grade. Um, I don't know what Mr. Daring was doing. I don't know where he was at, but she taught me how to braid. Cause I used to, I taught myself how to braid, but I braided the other way, like with French braids. So she taught me how to like twist it around. So like they look like braids. So shout out to Desiree. I don't know where she at, but thanks, girl. And um, it's got better from there. I like doing hair. I'm about to do some passion twists, God willing. But I don't do hair often because it hurts my hands, especially like if I do like rope twists, like dumb joints hurt a lot. Um, I do box braids. Those don't hurt my hands at all. If I, I do my own box braids, unless I want my, like I want them to look real, real nice or really small. I get the Africans to do it. Like this, this girl from Cote d'Ivoire did mine last time. She like braided my thoughts, but it was fine. Like they were dumb cute. Um, I don't like small braids. The tiny, they weren't, tiny, tiny, tiny. No, 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 no. They weren't, they weren't small. I probably had like, I probably had like 150 braids. Like they weren't small. And they were a grip too. That's why I also don't, I don't like, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I, I think I paid her like, yeah, I paid her like $230 to do them braids. That is insane. Isn't that crazy? You know, this lady, this lady that used to do my hair a long time ago, did me the waistline box braids for $100. See, that's freaking ridiculous. That like is in Chicago, cr- isn't that crazy? That is that is freaking ridiculous. Chicago, like, and I'm messing around. First of all, she told me, she told me 180 yeah? Then I'm like, boom. I get there. She sees my, she sees the length of my hair and I have like a huge head, so I have a lot of hair. And she was like, so... Rapunzel, not even. She's like, it's gonna be two ten. I said, sis, is this a salon? Yeah, I went to a salon. That's where you missed it. <laughs> because I never, listen, ever got my hair braided in the salon. That is crazy to me. Yeah, every time I go, I go to an African salon. I be like African braiding. Like I went to this one girl. She was from Nigeria. I went to this one girl. She was from Cote d'Ivoire. Like I said, like when I go to a salon, that's gonna ensure that I'm not on the shade rooms. What I asked for versus what I got, right? Really? I know. I, I, I mean, go, I go to people who I know who. who people who do their hair like no, people whose hair they have done like i I rather like with, when it comes to hair just since i'm so sp- particular about my hair like i rather i want like i rather make sure that it's gonna look exactly how i want i want all the braids the same size i want them to last you're not gonna be doing like nothing crazy you're not gonna be blow drying out my hair none of that i want i want my braids the way i want them actually so i rather pay that's not true i have got my hair braided in a salon once but it was just like those two braids it was dumb expensive it was like 50 bucks it was ridiculous oh them two braids that's, i mean that's reasonable did she wash it no oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and for mind. two braids i don't i don't know i'm just used two to braids, getting like my hair done sit on somebody's living room floor and get my hair done that's, all, that's all nothing i don't like sitting between legs like you also you like bougie. and also oh another thing my mom stopped doing my hair when i was like in fifth grade you know what i'm saying like she was like all right katie so and because she got acrylics and she was like well you good right so 
I just had to figure it out. Like I was doing ponytails for a while. Then I would do, I would just do little stuff. I would learn to braid. I would braid my own hair. I would, that, that was back in the day when it used to be in, in style where like you would braid just the front of your hair. I think still, I still, still see kids doing that. Like you braid the front and the back. to be a party mm-hmm. in the back. You can have a ponytail. You have a bun in the back. You can straighten the back. You do a bunch of stuff. Like I would do stuff like that. Yeah. I also not what I mean, <clears throat> now my sister does my hair for free. So, <laughs> but, um, also not paying that much money when I could just get a weave. <laughs> that much money. That and buy true. human hair. <laughs> also, the girl, but braids last so long. Like I got the last time I got braids. The last time I I got braids professionally done was when I came to Eastman. So I also I don't do it often. Like that was what three years ago. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know what I knew Eastman was going to be terrible. I didn't know on what scale, and I knew I didn't want to be dealing with my hair. So I got them done. They last till October. I mean, I also took them out like prematurely because when they start hanging on by the by a thread i take them out because i don't want my edges to go with it mm-hmm. but um yeah and they were they were dumb nice and they were long but oh when i got them twists like in jamaica see just gotta go, go to go to jamaica because i only spent i gave that girl i gave my cousin she was my cousin she did them they were waist length mini senegalese twists like easily 300 dollars anywhere else i gave her three thousand jamaican dollars which was like which is about 28 dollars like mm-hmm freaking ridiculous um so yeah i like doing hair i also like cooking i used to cook like it's harder now like i'm trying to like find my way right, with cooking cook for two yeah i gotta cook for, i gotta cook for two mm-hmm. i'm figuring out vegan stuff so that's that's been exciting but i used to be i used to cook most of the meals when i was like in high school with my mom yeah and i think i turned so, yeah. 16 she was like you're on your own i was like <laughs> <laughs> my mom was my mom like because i rather i love you know she's great but i rather i was i just rather cook because my mom's gonna make chicken and rice i'm like or we could have like fettuccine alfred i used to make it from scratch like oh, heavy yeah. cream butter i just Parmesan. made that the other day <laughs> just made it like the other day. you know of course i put some chili in it because you know i like it spicy so and then if i wanted to um the cheesecake factory has his dish i'm gonna recreate it as vegan stay tuned um it's like a sun-dried tomato anyway it's a sun-dried tomato like chicken uh, alfredo sun-dried tomatoes so i used to put like sun-dried tomatoes in it like i was cooking cooking like freaking tomatoes are so good they're so good and slept on with the herb blend on (laughs) it's freaking culinarily black right and you put some basil in there too just to round it out like listen i love basil some fresh basil Man, I used to make. I used to sell cheesecakes in high school. Like I would, I had a cheesecake recipe, and I would. I used to sell them. Like I would just make a bunch what? of them. Yeah, <laughs> like I they, was, that I was, got to an issue at my at my high school where they were like stopping people if you had anything. They were like, "What's in there? You selling that?" And it's like, chill. Oh no, no, not at school. Because, oh, but like just yeah, like, people used to sneak and sell like chips and stuff. I love it. Black people are so resourceful. <laughs> But um, Kool-Aid no, like gummy people, worms, Kool Aid pickles. That, that's freaking nasty. <laughs> it's ratchet as heck. <laughs> um, but the people at church, people at my mom's job, they would just order my cheesecakes and I would sell them. Like a little side hustle. What? Yeah. <laughs> like I was, I, I used to love to cook, and I still do or whatever. But like, it's just, it's just a different love because I'm f- still, I'm three years in vegan i'm still trying to figure out like what's the best way to make tofu what's the best way to 
make this chase as cheesy as possible, stuff like that. But yeah, with cheese. Okay, That's so how. anyway, no with nutritional yeast and cashews. That sounds really nasty. <laughs> <laughs> nutritional um, yeast, yum. Yeah. Okay, it sounds terrible. Even my cousin, my cousin's a chef. And he was like, so you eat a yeast to like activate a yeast? Is that safe? I'm like, yes, Dakota. I'm freaking growing bread in my stomach. Like, relax. It's like, it's, is <laughs> <laughs> deactivated yeast. It, it has like a, like a nutty umami flavor. Like, and nobody, I, this is America. Nobody wants to eat nothing with the word nutritional in the name. It was true. <laughs> but you know what? I'm happy I'm on the vegan train now. I feel like it's new enough where I have an idea that I'm working on, like a passion project I'm working on. I'm not going to share it right now. But sure. um, no, I'm I feel, <laughs> But I feel like it's a great time to be vegan. Also, I think people, even if they don't want to be vegan, I think a lot of people are moving towards at least having like one plant-based meal a day or one plant day or at least a, a meatless day. Um... And so it's a really exciting time. Also, people realize that like, vegan is not really like a phase. Like, I wish I was still in LA. Like, I had Del Taco. I was so impressed. Like, I freaking loved it. Like, um, apparently KFC is working on a vegan chicken option. I probably Girl. still won't eat it because their normal chicken is trash. So if you can't normal even do chicken, that. probably vegan too. If I ain't chicken. <laughs> <laughs> you freaking suck. Ugh. <laughs> Probably. You saw Burger King coming out with an Impossible Burger, Big Mac. Yeah, Burger King's doing the Impossible Burger. Like, um, so it's like vegan's not a like I don't care what you eat. Like I honestly don't. Um, my views on veganism have changed since I became vegan because a lot of people know. Like a lot of my friends know that I became vegan to lose weight, and I did. And so I didn't care nothing about animals. But now I'm kind of like, well, you know, you said that because I always be like, you don't care about the animals. But I can change the reason why I'm vegan. <laughs> Yeah, I can. Like, cause at first I, I would say, like, I'm like, girl, I don't care nothing about your cows and your chickens because I'm like Jamaican. Like, I, I've watched my aunt slaughter chickens, her own chickens. Like, that was terrible to watch. Um, because they, they they do keep running after their heads are chopped off. But don't worry, cause she dips them in hot water. So great, it's called the scalding to their death. Um, <laughs> that was freaking terrible. Shout out to Auntie Palm. But um, wow. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Cooking's fun. I'm super good. Super good on what? Meat. Like, you know, I don't, I eat, I don't drink, the only thing, pretty much, only, pretty much the only thing I do that's vegan is I don't drink cow milk no more. That's about it. Yeah, I don't know why people, like, okay, I used to Every drink other milk is better. <laughs> Literally, like, honestly, that's one thing when I went vegan I was worried about because I used to drink, like, I would, I live by myself and I would buy a gallon of milk. Like, I used to love to drink milk. Like, I would just drink it. You know what I'm saying? That is so weird. <laughs> is it, is it weird? Yes. I don't know. <laughs> like, I would drink milk. Especially, like, my grandfather, maybe growing up with my grandfather, too, like, he would buy, like, he would buy the good milk. Like, he, cause my mom used to buy skim milk. And I'm oh, just like, not, yeah. Ugh. Like I'll be like, but I'm glad I did because like that's so much unnecessary fat when you drink whole milk all the time. Whole milk just tastes like a dessert to me. Like it tastes like a dessert. I mean, yeah, but so I used to be like, mommy, there has to be some. I remember one week, like she slipped up on accident and bought like one percent milk, and I was like, see, was that so bad? And like the next week, I looked in the fridge and it was back to skim milk, like. But my grandpa, like he would buy the good milk, like the whole milk, like it's all 
thick. Like I used to freaking love whole milk is so crazy. It's like it it is like a dessert. It's like a oh my god. It's like it's like a a hop skip and a jump from not even a hop from heavy cream. Like it's (laughs) it's ridiculous. Like I can't remember the last. I maybe have whole milk maybe once every two years just by like accident because I think my dad buys it. So like maybe if I'm over there and I have some cereal, I might have a whole milk. Or I think my grandma bought it on accident one time. Like yeah, because depending on the brand, it's easy to it's easy to like slip up and buy the wrong milk if you don't read it. But I mean now I'm just like literally almost every plant milk except for pea milk is is better than is better than cow's milk. I, I think pea milk is like the one. milk. I would never cashew drink. Pretty good. I would never drink pea milk. That doesn't even sound good. I haven't tried pea milk, but I know that I won't like it because when there's pea protein in vegan ice creams, it's like overwhelming. That's so um, so that's why I'm just like, I don't even have to try it. I know I'm not going to like it, but oat milk, oh, freaking, good. freaking slept on. Like, I don't know what the girls are doing. It sounds good. I remember wanting to try it. I was like, oat milk sounds dummy good. And I was at Wegmans yesterday and it got chocolate oat milk. And I was oh, like, okay, so good. I gotta figure that out. Like, like I'm gonna go back. I was, I was like annoyed and in a rush yesterday, so I didn't, um, I didn't stop to look at it too hard. But like, I must like. But yeah, there's there's options for the girls now. Like, it's crazy. I eat less meat, but I'm never gonna stop eating meat. I'm just not. I mean, because I don't want to. And so. also, also like I. <laughs> I troll people like just to be like annoying, but like I honestly don't care what people eat, and also I don't say too much hey, because Brian. like anyway, um, <laughs> that's freaking ridiculous. Like, ugh. um, I thought you weren't saying names. Anyway, <laughs> oh well, well, oh well. Anyway, yeah, yeah like yeah. Also, like. I don't know. I don't like. I really just don't care. Also, I'm, I come from Jamaicans. Like, they troll me every, every like holiday. Like, you grow up palm meat. Nothing wrong with it. I'm like, I ain't saying well, nothing wrong, wrong with it. With it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never said. I never said that. I'm saying like I went vegan to lose weight and I stuck with it. So now I'm just here, and like nothing's guaranteed. Like, I might, I might eat meat again. Like, I, who can say? Like, life changes. You know, almost like dairy with them cupcakes. What's the name? Yeah. Dang. And you know, it's crazy. I'm so happy. Like I would have trusted her because she's vegan, you know? So she felt so bad, but I appreciated the, the I appreciated the sentiment. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't even, I don't live in a vegan world. So like stuff happens to me. It doesn't happen often because like I've been vegan so long, but like stuff happens. Everyone, I can't remember the last time something happened, but Every once in a while, like, there might be milk and something I didn't realize. Oh, them sweet tart ropes that I had. Oh, with the gelatin. They had gelatin because I read the ingredients too fast. That's so weird I because when one. I offered you some, you were like, nah, this got gelatin in them. And then you had them on a second occasion. Did you offer to me them one, once yeah, before when and I, I said was, no? Yeah, when I was in your, when I was at your house and I bought that bulk package of them. And then you bought the bulk package and then I read them, but I read the ingredients too fast. I'm like, oh, sweet. These don't have uh, gelatin in them. So I had one. And oh, then, really? yeah. And then I went to, um, I was going to the, the movies with my little cousin and I was buying him candy and I read the ingredients again just to make sure I always read the ingredients. And I was like, oh, shoot. But it's like, whatever, you brush it off. Like, we don't live in a vegan world. But anyway, this is, oh, this is, okay 
Well, we're, we're, we're about to be, so <laughs> don't worry. I will. Well, I probably never. The once the animals like people, people like they're the majority. Like it's over for all of us. So it ought to be. Some of these animals really need to jack humans up because humans just like, do the craziest stuff, the craziest thing. And I'm like, you re- you realize you could just your way yeah. out of here. Like honestly, like once they figure it out, it's over. Finito. I, mean, I don't blame them. So. One of those is going to happen eventually, but this has been the longest intermission ever, so <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> this week, um, we are, re- we're not revisiting, but you guys all know there was that, what do we call it? A collection of, I don't know, we didn't call it an article because it wasn't. Literally was, I think it was a statement. Yeah. It, it, he might as well just wrote it in his notes app. <laughs> iOS press release, like, honest to God. <laughs> Okay, so before that, that was the nonsense. Uh, well, not nonsense, but article time and let classical music die. We've already expressed our opinions about how we felt about that. Well, what episode is that? That's a good question. Just in case you haven't heard it, do I even have right there? Thirty-six. Yeah, check out episode thirty-six. That felt like forever ago. Was that really only five weeks ago? Dang, I felt like that feels like it was less than five weeks ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Oh. Like we just did that. Probably because I was so annoyed. <laughs> I was like, I was annoyed when we were recording it, and I was annoyed because I had to edit it. I'm like annoyed the whole time. But oh well. Um. So we voiced our opinions on that episode thirty six. Go check it out. Um. And now we're back because we saw that there was an article in response to that called you first dude <laughs> just <laughs> when i saw the title that took the title took me down which i'm like it was a little ridiculous yeah, like okay it was a bit much okay we're not saying he has to die like you got you really got to slow down like, right. <laughs> <laughs> like we don't we don't want him to die <laughs> like um but this so i clicked on this thinking like oh you know because it's in response to this article but something told me that i was not going to agree with this one either just because most people who come out in defense of classical music especially in terms of like the guy with had been talking about race so like somebody that's coming out in defense of classical music in defense of like classical music not being racist and it's some white guy like i was like i'm probably not going to agree with most of the things he says either well to my surprise i clicked on the article and it was about three lines long yeah, that was really weird. Like, you can't call it an article. Yeah. I was like, this uh, this is a blurb. <laughs> yeah. Because I kept literally. scrolling. I was like, is this it? But um, one of the quotes sparked Katie's creative side. Okay, so let's focus. <laughs> um, and so we decided to make an episode out of it. Um, the quote is, quote, the death of classical music is perhaps the oldest tradition of classical music because in every generation people say, this is it, classical music is no more, but it endures and endures and always will. Which, like, this, that stuck out to me. I mean, it wasn't easy for something to stick out to me just because literally, <laughs> like, I kid you not, it was four sentences long. But just to go off of what Delaney said real quick about, like, okay. I had a feeling I wouldn't agree with it too just because because he came from the I forgot the writer's name because he came from such a polarizing standpoint 
I knew like one of the one of the kind of arguments were gonna be like w- was gonna be like to shut down the race thing. Yeah, and it's like I hate when people feel that something is racist or feel like they're being like there's a microaggression something like that and people try to downplay it like people have those feelings and like most of the time they're correct and i feel like a a lot of the reasons why we don't make as much progress as we could be making is because people are so like they they want to take race out of everything like everything like it can't be racist like there's no way like it's just about the music like just focus on the music and i'm like you you can't like there, there's a middle between what the original article said and like what you're saying like there's not you can't take it you can't take race out of things like especially like when you build a country on racism like you cannot take race out of things like it's just it's just unless we're just gonna blow up the whole thing and start again like that's the only way we will be able to take race out of something especially at least for here like there's just no way but um this was this stuck out to me because Every, every, you know, a couple of years, there's like a, a scare about like how classical music is going to die and like why we investing all this money into it and what we really doing and blase, blase. But every year, there nationwide, there are little fourth and fifth graders who start, who start playing an instrument. Like there's thousands of kids who learn to play violin, thousands of kids who learn how to play viola and bass and and trumpet and it's just like if classical music is gonna die like we keep we keep introducing kids to this music that we love who is gonna carry on a tradition like there's gonna be kids just like us who like it who want to keep playing it they're gonna be kids who like beethoven they're gonna be kids who like brahms they're gonna just keep playing so when i saw this i was like classical music is like one of the most tenacious things ever like it's gonna keep going it's gonna keep it's gonna keep flourishing because there are there are people who are still playing. It'll be different if like ain't nobody was playing classical music anymore, ain't no, nobody was learning how to play the violin anymore. Then you'll be like, okay, well yeah, that's about to die in like fifty years. But if people keep learning how to play, in my opinion, it's like when people keep teaching people like this is something that we love, then there's no way that it can die. I just don't think that's a realistic statement. What I will say is we need more people i guess learning how to run our organizations uh more efficiently because like yeah we said what do you you mean organizations like you talk about like 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 our like our big major orchestras yeah like the leaders of class yes yes um because although there are still a lot of people who want to play classical music i feel like performers are not a lot of performers and the average performer in classical music because this is on like like you are not an average performer of classical music you have classically black you have like these ideas and you try to like do things and also you have the education aspect of your career like that but the average just performer is like i'm gonna lock myself in a practice room for six hours a a day and i just want to play and i just want to play in tune and you know and I, I feel like a lot but a lot of classical musicians are not like diversified in what they yeah. do like within so that's why i'm like well mm, like yeah we still have people that sh- want to play strongly but what are they willing to do besides play that's true i mean but if we have i just think for any idea to be sustained i think there needs to be people who champion it so so say like you you have your class like miss harris's class is 50 beginning bass players right mm-hmm. and 
so of them 50 by the time they get to high school you only have 20 left and of those 20 like 10 of them decide they want to keep playing in some capacity three of them make it into a professional orchestra five of them are in um arts admin and two of them are classroom teachers so the three that made it into the orchestra is like they okay those they'll play in the orchestra they have they have 10 people championing they have um seven people championing them but then you also have the the 40 that dropped off that oh i remember miss harris's class like oh my god that, that that's my classmate i want to go see him like maybe i'll buy a, a, a season tickets to xyz orchestra oh maybe i'll put my kid in classical music like i remember having so much fun playing the bass oh uh, maybe i'll donate to to this xyz thing like you know like I feel like as long as we have people championing the idea of classical music and championing its processes, like, the, I, I mean, it's not enough to sustain. It's not yeah, enough. Yeah, no. Because like that's what we've been relying on right now. But to say, like, something's going to die, like, you, like for something to be dead, you you know, you know there's, there's no one championing. There's no one rooting for it. You know, there's no one who thinks it should be around. Yeah, but you starting them 50 kids, it's like that they champion classical music. What I will say is that, like, like I see those three musicians making it into into professional orchestras, but which professional orchestra are they making it into? When half of them shut down by the time they they graduate college, like I well, mean that, they need people. True. They need people. Like we seeing orchestras that's been around for years, like for for decades. Freaking Chicago Symphony Orchestra was out was out like down for the count for labor disputes. Uh, for weeks, an embarrassing amount of time for an organization like that. Yeah, like that's not even just like, like that's not just uh like Baltimore is one thing, and that's still a, a you know a big organization, but Chicago, like that's scary. That was very terrifying because it's like they're one of the big five. Is that still a thing? I don't know, but um. They're one of the the top five orchestras in the country, and it's like y'all out here picketing. You know, I feel like I wonder. If, I wonder how like small organizations felt. You know what I'm saying? But there are also a lot of small organizations that do well because they they tap into their community and they, you know, people love it. But yeah, that's I why know. I just don't. I just don't have a lot of faith in. Um, not okay. That's not the right word. <laughs> that's I was really like, depressing. wow. Um, <laughs> but just like. I, especially going to like a conservatory that claims it's not a conservatory was what it is um it's literally conservatory. i don't know why he's been so against like you're <laughs> sis you're a conservatory um <laughs> like where's the comprehensive school of music sis uh, that's also known as a conservatory <laughs> <laughs> like what a synonym if you will um, i had a teach. i had my teacher told me that viola comes first he don't care nothing about these other classes i'm taking that's like true. he, that's he said that to me. That's what he said to me. He literally right. told people. He, I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna put his business out like that. But <laughs> let, let's just know. Let's, let's just know that we know where they stand. Where them teachers stand. Them teachers will tell you straight up to miss class to practice. If you got something coming up, like take the L in the class. It's a conservatory, sis. Doctor Lewis never told me that. She's like, well, you know, you really have to go to math. Like, you really have to make sure you're doing well in math. <laughs> Like, girl, it's a conservatory. But just seeing how performers, people who want to perform, operate, like, I don't know. I just feel like 
the like they don't want to do enough to to further their to further the field other than play and that's when somebody wrote an article about baltimore symphony saying like oh it's not the musician's fault or whatever and then i remember somebody on facebook was like shared the article and was like well um what are you doing as a like she said like she was saying that like musicians need to be doing more in terms of like pushing their administration to um to diversify the types of things they do in terms of outreach um and education initiatives so that they can stay relevant instead of instead of just depending solely on people who don't know how to do their jobs clearly it's such a double-edged sword like when you say like i was thinking about that the other day like i have like i'm out of school like i'm ready to go like all these passion projects that i have like built up inside of me i'm like let's go i ain't taking no 10 credit hours like what we doing girl but it's also like i see my peers who only play like who only practice field like they don't do nothing else they ain't got no podcasts they ain't doing no hair they ain't traveling they don't do nothing they don't they're not speaking at conferences all they do is practice and those are the people who like i'm not saying i won't get there of course not like i would never say that but i'm saying it's gonna take me a little bit longer because i have other stuff like when you have eight hours a day to practice all you doing is practicing eight hours a day you ain't you ain't editing no episodes you're not doing nothing like that it's like those are the people who those are people who get into orchestra so it's like it's hard to be like like everything that you want to do well takes time like practicing your instrument takes time if you want to have a quality anything youtube channel podcast takes time you want to do stuff like different stuff like what kaylin's doing like kaylin is in decompose i'm talking about that a little bit later like whatever like that stuff takes time like these different projects take time so it's hard you know what i'm saying like I, I get the people who just want to sit in the practice room all day because when you start having other distractions, like, like I'm, I'm not even going to front, like when sorority season is like in gear, it's, it's a lot, you know what I'm saying? I'm the, I'm the historian for my chapter. It's like, it's a lot, it's a lot that you, that, that goes into that. It's like all these things take away from Viola. All these things take away from getting eight hours a day. So now it's like, I get fours on this day and I get, I might, I might get on a bad day, I get three hours. Like, you know, on a good day, I get five hours. You know, it's like, it's hard to, to try to balance stuff and try to, to move with the world when the world you're trying to get into hasn't changed from 1990. Like them, they want you people who practice eight hours a day, but the world around it, you know, they want people who can build a website and they want people who can, can market themselves and they want people who could start a blog if they needed to know how to write grants, know how to teach you know it's hard i mean i'm not saying that it's not it's not hard for people to balance it what i'm saying is that people being interested in playing classical music does not does not um make me think that that it's not going to like that this decline is not going to continue to happen like people wanting to play it it's just not enough to me wait like elaborate i don't think we I think we're talking about two different things. So what do you mean? Like this, what do you mean by people not wanting to play it is enough? I mean, people wanting to play it is enough. I don't think that that's enough. Like, oh, there are still people that want to go into classical music. Sure. But if you want to go into classical music as a performer, there are administrative things that need to be done to, yeah. uh, to keep these, because who's going to hire you if there's nobody to hire you? Yeah. Like you, 
you know that's what i'm saying like people they need to hire people that have more innovative uh strategies for keeping these organizations afloat yeah i feel like a lot of times like because you can want a job all you want i ain't trying to be rude but like when you look at like if you pull up like your your local orchestra's like roster like who's in charge of social media you know what i'm saying it's like you got people in charge of social media who like don't really know how to navigate it or like they like i feel like certain positions like you can use you can use like people who have better knowledge of it instead of like hiring the same people and like just giving them something that they might not be equipped to do well you know like having having a person of color on your diversity initiatives and having a younger person on your social media initiatives so they know like how to navigate Instagram algorithms and stuff like that. Like all that stuff is important, but I feel like nobody wants to really do that. And I feel like it shows because those are the orchestras who shut down on the low. You know, no one has like the Virginia symphony. You can't tell me that I can be around for a minute, you know, cause it's like, regardless of how successful or not their, their sensory adaptation concerts are going to be like, that's an innovative idea. Like I've never heard like anything like that in my life. And, like, there might be a listener who's like, girl, that we doing it right here in Copenhagen. I'm like, oh, girl, that's cool. I didn't know about that. But I'm saying, like, for me, I've never heard of something like that. Like, mm-hmm. people, I think we said this before, like, people want to keep doing the same stuff over and over and over again, hoping that it's going to click. I think what I meant is, like, there won't be, there won't be a shortage of people who will, who love classical music ever. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah. Okay. But, of course, like, love is, like, not enough to to sustain anything and Mm -hmm. we've seen that so speaking of um how people are sustaining stuff um i know i said uh last week that i was in uh la i wasn't just frat uh fraternizing and gallivanting at all actually um I was at YOLO, the youth orc, okay, the youth orchestra of Los Angeles, their national festival, um, was happening last week. It happened last week, right? Well, like last Thursday, right? Thursday through Saturday. Um, and in conjunction with that was YOLO national. So like the, they get a bunch of kids from, um, Elsa summer programs, Elsa summer inspire programs around the country and they come and they do a bunch of rehearsals and a bunch of chamber music stuff and then they perform um with Gustavo do them on a bunch of other conductors at Walt Disney Concert Hall at the end and it runs in conjunction with um the symposium that they're having so give a little recap and tell us tell you about like what we did and how we felt and how we think this pertains to the future classical music and stuff like that. So you want to go first, Lenny? Well, I was just doing my regular job because I worked there at the LA field. Um, so, I mean, my job is mostly administrative stuff, um, behind the scenes stuff. Um, but I have been planning on the planning for this um, for about a month and a half before it happened. So, for both the symposium and the and the festival so basically i was just around and which was beneficial because i could kind of go and see whatever i wanted to rather than like my my because my job description is basically like everything so (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i i basically was just around um 
doing admin stuff and able to see like both some of the like programming and then it's also some of the res life stuff and some of the production stuff so that's what i was doing and did you were you able to make it to any of the symposium at all Ugh, um i was like over there but like as far as like staying in sessions and stuff no so that's the thing like i definitely want to be able to see if i can sneak over there yeah. um, i could have more i definitely could have more but i was dead tired like like Mm-mm. yeah next year i mean i definitely want to try to like actually see sessions i mean i was i was an ra so i had a blast like my kids like um my kids like made it really really good i didn't see them often because they were um they were always in rehearsal like i was looking at their schedule i'm like child i would want to do this <laughs> like it's rehearsal i remember one time i was watching sitting in on a rehearsal and they were they just did like two hours of orchestra and they were like, all right, girl. So go ahead and go to sectionals. And I was like, sectionals after all this, like, <laughs> like it's been a full day. Like it's literally four o'clock. They've been playing since nine, you know, but, um, they seem to really enjoy it. Um, uh, my girls were really, really great, really good kids. Um, I like working for the LA Phil. It was fun. I don't know how much I can say about that, but, um, yeah, I had a really good time. I met some people. Oh, uh, we did things. It was cool to be um, at Walt Disney Concert Hall. And, yeah, I think it was amazing. I definitely, like, just observing the level of playing that these kids have. Like, some of them have private lessons. Some of them don't. But it definitely has inspired me um, with ideas to go back to my own LSSM Inspire program here in Rochester. And, um, mm-hmm. and bring, I mean... I'm already meeting. I'm supposed to be meeting with my boss to talk about some of those things because I have for real. Yeah, I have Wait lots of because ideas. Because me, me and we were gonna have a meeting too. We should have a what meeting with the three with? of us. Oh, that's what he was saying. No, I, that's what I'm saying. Oh yeah, because I, I was gonna have a meeting because we were already planning a meeting for when I go back. Um, not when I go back, but I will be back within the next couple weeks in some capacity. Um, so oh for the camp. No, just I'll probably you know I we'll yeah, see what happens with gateways and then uh I still got a lot of stuff there. Yeah, but um yeah, this just seeing the level of playing. Uh, I'm I'm excited to go back to my own my own program and see that I think and I think that's the the main thing. I mean, although I was not able to attend the symposium this year, I think that was like the main thing, like seeing seeing uh how we can serve our programs our own personal programs better and also yeah i've been with elsa summer basically all summer like here i mean in la in waukegan so in waukegan illinois so it's been a summer filled with elsa stemma so i i've it's been good okay so um i think yola like and what Dudamel's doing, like we already talked about, I already gassed him up last week. Like, I think it's a great example of how organizations are working to sustain classical music in a different, in a different way. So the donors and stuff like that doesn't always work well, but so you have to think about more innovative ways about sustaining classical music and making classical music accessible. And I think Dudamel and all the people at YOLA, like they do a really amazing job of doing that um here so do you want to talk a little bit more about 
what ma- major orchestras are doing as initiatives and what they can continue to do? So the answer is not much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one thing I will say about Yola, and this is something that I will talk to my bosses about before I leave. Um, the LA Phil has so much money. And there are not a ton of places that can say the same. Um, or at least just even touch them in the amount of money that they have. There are some some organizations that can and we can well i'll talk a little bit about how they are allocating those resources because the way that they for the bigger organizations they definitely have something to learn from the la field in terms of like where do you put your money yeah um but at the same time like i'm going to inquire before i leave about like what are your core values and what would you be doing if you had an eighth of the budget that you had because they're like the budget that they have is crazy. The amount of money, mm-hmm. like most, a majority of programs can't can't do anything that they like most of the things that they're doing because like they just don't have enough money. But I'm curious to know like what are their main priorities? What is the foundation and like the meat and potatoes of yeah. this? So I'll let y'all know when I get an answer for that. But I just wanted to put that out there because that's something that they were worried about with the symposium is that like certain topics they didn't want to just like they didn't they wanted to take the focus off of them because they know that they're an organization that has a ton of money and resources that a lot of the organizations coming to the symposium don't have. So it doesn't do anybody any good to talk about, well, this is what we did with our seven million dollar budget. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, also, I think, just to, just to defend the LA Phil, it's like, you can you can tell people or give people an idea of, like, what you're doing, and then the people who are going back to their programs, I'm like, okay, so we can't do all of that. But one thing I really like that they, they do is X, Y, and Z. Like, like for example, like, okay, so you don't have the budget of the LA Phil, because no one had this at the LA Phil. But you, like do the male program like latinx music on the program you know have you been doing that are you playing like sandra daca with your kids you know what i'm saying it's like taking look little things like that like what do you what can what are the little things you can take from their overall idea that that can influence your program yeah that's why i'm just saying that in the recap meeting that we had after the symposium that was one of the things that came up was that mm-hmm. um just taking the focus off of things that require a huge budget mm-hmm. so that people can actually you know take as much as they can but in terms of what um anyway in terms of what people are doing or to, or what major orchestras are doing to sustain classical music through their initiatives something that i've been doing lately is um looking up um how nonprofit organizations particularly classical music organizations spend their money um because these are organizations that hopefully i will be hired by in the future um and there's a certain and like all this stuff is public because they're nonprofits so there's a certain tax form it's the 990 tax form that nonprofits have to um file and on the 990 form it it is they're required to report the salaries of their board members which is zero and their key employees and one thing that i found very interesting was that the la field was the only orchestra or only organization period that i looked up where the head of their education and learning initiatives is considered a key employee 
That's insane. <laughs> that is that is insane. And and listen, <laughs> I was like, that's indicative. That's yeah. It it really and it shows. It really shows because, because you know, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say because a lot of these like people, a lot of organizations are modeling themselves not just after Elsa Stemma but after Yola mm-hmm. because of how successful it's been and maybe that's why so. yeah because like it's just about having people like in the room making the important decisions like y'all spend all this money excuse me y'all spend all this money but like you want to have an education program but like you're just telling you're not listening to what those people need necessarily because they're not making any key decisions so I mean, I don't know. I feel like LA, LA feels like the perfect organization. And I might, I, there's no reason for me to be biased. Like, I mean, I like Gustavo, mm-hmm. but like, there's really, there's really I no, just, there's no other reason for me to be biased. I don't, I've never played for them. I never, whatever, you know, it's, it's just like, it's just facts. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't even know. I'm in a weird position. Not, I wouldn't say I'm biased because I also, like know how it works in practice because I was in yoga so mm-hmm. but I do think that like one of the, I was talking to one of the people on their executive team this is one of the people that answers to the CEO of the LFL and we were talking about um how a lot of education I- initiatives that are set in place don't last very long we were talking about one that was like really successful in Chicago, but they only had funding for two years. So after two years, it just wasn't there no more. And she was saying like, she's, uh, she's confident that Yola is not going anywhere because it's at the heart of the LA field and it's not on the back of it, like as an attachment. And yeah. I, and I feel like that, that first of all shows in the fact that they're the only organization that lists, you know, their VP of learning as a key employee. And, um, it shows in just the way that Yola operates. Like some, like they're getting so much more being fed back into the organization because they hire so many alumni and they have student volunteers and that sort of stuff because they put so much into their programs for, for learning. Mm -hmm. And, and if you have an orchestra that's like, oh yeah, we're just going to tack on this, this Elsa summer program on the side. And we just going to, we going to send a couple musicians over there once a year. And you know, like yeah. your results from that program are going to are going to show like you if you involve the program and like like Yola goes on tour with the LA Phil like every That's time insane. every time the LA Phil goes on tour like five six kids go with them you know and, and it's like not there are the orchestras who go on tour. Like, I feel like every almost every orchestra goes on tour. Not every, but a lot of orchestras go on tour in some capacity. It's like y'all could the big ones that go on tour. Like the Chicago Symphony could definitely afford to take kids with them, but it's also like which kids? Like they don't like um, they're not attached to any else some inspired program that I know of. That's crazy. Like the people, like the People's Music School is like the big one in Chicago. They're not right. attached to Chicago Symphony. That's crazy. But I do think that, I mean, the success of Yola and the success of the LA Phil and how innovative they are in more in more ways than just education, it it, it shows in like what their priorities are. Yeah, and it's and it's yielding results. I don't know why. 
like maybe people are just not doing a good enough job of like looking over to the the organizations that are parallel to them and seeing like what they're doing maybe they're just so caught up in in staying afloat or like saying okay well, what are we gonna do what are we gonna do rather than looking to see what they can learn from other organizations yeah but, i don't understand like why people don't i, I said this so many times because it, it, it befuddles me every week it's like i don't understand why you can't look to organiz- other organizations and see like what they're doing like i don't understand why not because at the end of the at the end of the day we're all playing the same game like i'm not stealing your patrons if i'm in chicago and you're in la but you so, know what with the symposium there's a lot of Elsa stemma programs doing that it's just not a lot of major orchestras i would say i'm thinking maybe it could be a pride thing you've yeah, you're this you're is. this huge organization this powerhouse that's been you know around for 100 years and now you you having issues and you got to be looking over to the other person next to you paper trying to see what they're doing what they're doing like they may not they may be like nah we got this we did so and so orchestra. Yeah, but a lot that's, of that's but, true. But a lot of no, and I'm not saying this is right, but I feel like that's it because you can see in a lot of other like in other fields, like like just with the symposium, like the Elsa Stemma inspired programs, the people who are running those programs have no problem coming to the symposium and sharing ideas and seeing what other people are doing. They have no problem like, doing that because I feel like they're more they're more open to that. Maybe these orchestras just are not open to that yet. Well, they're gonna have to get open or get closed. So, like, I'm definitely not. I'm not definitely not condoning that kind of behavior because I feel like ain't nobody. You're not asking. You're not asking somebody to hold five thousand dollars because yo yo car about to get repoed. Like, anybody <laughs> say that? Like, this is an this is an organization that like affects multiple people on in multiple ways. Like, I I just don't understand. Like, I worked at Ravinia for a couple summers and um the the man the well not the director of ticketing or whatever like she went to raven trap is that what it's called something like that whatever the one in in the dmv is um she went over there and she was she came back i heard her talk she was like and they got this going on and they and they do this with their tickets and like it works so much better and like we got to try that and it's like i feel like almost every other field is like what are y'all doing like mm-hmm. like um like literally every single field is like that like right um bringing it back to the vegan thing because you know i like vegan food um the beyond burger came out <laughs> you suck the beyond burger is like a burger that mimics meat right so they came out they have the whole market on lock right the whole market on lock and they got ground beef they got burgers they got sausage and so what what do the girls do they're not gonna sit back and just let them like run everything so this other brand light life came up with ground beef it's like why why wouldn't you you know what i'm saying it's like you want it's like you want to see what the other girls are doing if it's working how can we do it you know what i'm saying like attach yourself to an lsm inspired program why not like give great instruction and and feedback into the community because um guess what if you if you go to elsa some inspired program and you're a musician in the chicago symphony orchestra and then that kid goes home and be like oh my god i work with the best videos in the world like she was so amazing she was so nice i want to see her perform now that family's buying tickets to go see the chicago symphony and then they bring him everybody on their block i'm like yo we went to chicago symphony was dope like all y'all want to do all y'all want to do is slap a move a movie up on a screen and call it innovation 
Y'all put time. a put a bandaid on an open wound, right? Because they they're looking for quick fixes and not something that takes time. Yola has been around for twelve years. Yeah, I think it was ten. It was ten years when I graduated, and I think I was the first person from Yola to go to a to a music school. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the first person to major in music for sure, um, but yeah. I was the first person to go to a conservatory. Like it took all that time for something like that to happen. If you, if that's really your, and that's not even the goal of Yola. The goal of Yola is not to create professional musicians. But I'm just yeah. saying that, like, that um, if you even if an orchestra does choose to attach themselves to an Elsa Stemma inspired program, it's not even just about you have to like integrate that into like your pri- You have to make it a priority, right? Or else it's not going to to like have any meaningful uh benefits for you for 80 like i mean it might you know just from you know you might get a kid that that catches on to it and it wants to do music but like in order for it to really work in a in a like seamless way like i feel like it has to be sort of a priority because at the simple actually i was at the pre-symposium day they had a workshop um i forget what it was called but it was a workshop about like working with young people and stuff um and i was in attendance for that session and one of the they had a panel before the session of like some at it was at a yola site it was a site visit they got to see the kids play they got to walk around and tour and then there was a panel of like two young musicians from yola like kids and then the vp of learning and then the conductor and then another instructor from the site and one of the people stood up and asked and i'm sitting on the side doing work on my computer and when people asked like what are you doing to involve your alumni like if, once they graduate from Yola is that just it and they were like actually the lady's over there and she doing this hey, to celebrity some... actually yep and that was it <laughs> and they were like she's intern she works in our office um and like that's not to say that like that what everything that they're doing is perfect like there is nobody that looks like me that works in the education office at yola um and there are very few people that look like me that work for the la field period mm-hmm. so there's still ways to you know ways to go in some in some capacity but i'm just saying y'all should be taking notes period period all right let us know what you think about what we have said about the future classical music and what we think the la field is doing and what your local orchestra is doing and we are moving on right all right, it's time for Black Excellence, where we hype you up, gas you up, and give you your props because there's room for everybody at the top. And this week, I'm talking about Decompose. That's D hyphen composed. Um, this is a Chicago-based chamber musician group um, that highlights music and composers within the African diaspora. Um, like my organization. Listen. When I tell you, I had a lot of fun playing with them because it was like, it was a, a performing experience that I have never experienced before in my life. Like, it, it kind of reminded me of church just a little bit because, like, you know how you play at church and you're like, play, baby. Mm-hmm. It was so good. But meanwhile, you really just play to him, like, honestly. But they'd be like, oh, play, baby. Play for the Lord, baby. Like, that's kind of how it was. Like, um, I subbed in um, for Decompose a couple weeks ago. And we played at a venue, it was a theater, but like they, um, they encourage people to like, if you like something, you can clap, you can be like, you could, um, interact, 
you know, if you feel like saying, mm, you know, like, you know, Melissa, Melissa White was on first violin. She will play something. They'll be like, oh, that sounded good. Like just like stuff like that, like to kind of break down like the barrier in between like performer and audience member. Um, so they create intimate out of the box experiences. Um, they use chamber music um, to have a deeper emotional connection with the audience. Um, and they create this, they have these musical experiences like in, um, in an intimate space. So they'll take it out of the concert hall. They're really into like taking it out of the concert hall and putting it somewhere else. So they'll do it in art galleries and cafes, um, stuff like that. It was founded by Corey Coleman. Uh, she's a graduate of Spelman college. Um, and she's a background in entertainment and lifestyle. She's a former violinist and oboist, um, I think she's, she quit like when she was a teenager because she was like, girl, this ain't it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but she uh, she loves classical music. She loves the violin. Um, and so she realizes this, like, she works in a lot of like upper echelon, as Kermaine would say, spaces. Like she's worked with Fortune 500 company. Like she has a TV career. She has a luxury lifestyle brand called Chicago Light. Um, so, but she notices, she noticed that like there weren't a lot of like people of color like in these spaces like experiencing these things so she creates these these things so like um so the concert i played on was like a love letter to chicago so we played a lot of chicago musicians so like florence price was played because she had her symphony number one premiere by the chicago symphony orchestra um we played the last time they played her (laughs) (laughs) right in like the late 1800s composer of color (laughs) um they we played Chance the Rapper that was freaking cool, um, just stuff like that. Um, they've played they they've done a thing where like they played in a they paired like cocktails with the music. So every every uh piece that they played had a different cocktail to go with it. Oh, that's cool. Y'all getting lit in there. I see. Like that is so cool. Like who thinks of that? Like that is like that's like go ahead. That's the kind of creativity I like to see. Like you know people like to drink, so it's like. Okay. This, you know, like that's freaking creative. Like I love that they did a thing with yoga. Like just like they did something. Um, Kaylin was telling me about with uh coloring books. So like they had a children's concert where the kids were able to come up and like kind of like almost like a quasi petting zoo type thing, and they had coloring books with like um African American composers in it. Like just like dope things. Um. So Corey is the one who founded that. A member, members of the collective, um, will be Danielle Taylor, also known as Yelly, and she is the artistic director, and she's the veil of the group. She was also she also presented at uh, Yola, last, uh, at the symposium last week. Yeah, right. Um, and then of course Caitlin Edwards, um, past Black Excellence, Kyle Dixon, former Black Excellence, right? Come on, Black Tahira, Excellence alumni league, <laughs> literally. Uh, Tahira Whittington, my fave, uh, also former Black Excellence. So whole bunch of blackness going on there, and they're doing amazing work. It's so cool to watch, and it was super cool to be a part of. Like that's the kind of it's, it's just so dope. Like they're championing works by African American composers, and um, just like really dope. So check them out. I link their Instagram, um, their gorgeous website. I was like, okay, like it's freaking ridiculous like okay um yeah so check them out check out their instagram um give them some love all right you got a piece of the week delaney 
sure do. So See, every time you do that, I know it's gonna be some trifling joint. It is. I have a silly piece of it. <laughs> it's so dumb. But I was like, I I was gonna do this last time it was my turn, but I was like, nah. Okay. So I forgot. I think I was on Facebook or something. I see this link. <laughs> I'm wondering if you've seen this. It's a YouTube video. And the name is Every Beethoven Symphony. Oh my goodness. Thank you for listening to Classic Black Podcast. Don't forget to <laughs> you are trash. That's not a piece. Yes, it is. It's actually nine pieces. Okay. <laughs> It's the most cacophonous thing. But you, you know what? It? it actually sounds pretty good. And you know what? I'm so freaking mad at myself because I clicked on it. First, it came up with my suggestion and I was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> and I listened to it and I'm over here being a freaking loser, like being like, oh, I hear that symphony right there. Oh, there goes symphony number one right there. Oh, there goes. Like, I was like, yeah, see if I can hear them. Nine is like, like, all you can hear is nine. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I bet you like the last, the last freaking 30 minutes of it right oh no i'm talking about like in the beginning i think oh it's weird like the in the beginning i guess every every other symphony is quiet at that one part because it's just all nine <laughs> it's like a, like maybe five minutes in yeah yeah it, it was cool i guess i didn't i didn't listen to much of it because all like you can't hear much but <laughs> the part, some parts are cacophonous but some of it actually sounds good so that's some of it does it's, it's crazy that's my piece some of, of it does week. sound good all right, so <laughs> <laughs> check it out. It, it's a cool video. Yeah, I'll link it. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Classically Black Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Classically Black Podcast. If you have a piece of the week suggestion, that's actually like one piece. Um, okay, it is one piece. <laughs> black excellence suggestion, intermission suggestion. Um, don't forget to email them to us at classicallyblackpodcast at gmail.com. And we will talk to y'all next week. Bye, y'all. Bye.